Hey everyone, this is Craig Horlbeck from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Join me, Danny Heifetz, and Danny Kelly every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to help you win your draft, win your league, and most importantly, avoid that last place punishment. Follow the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify. It's the Ringer's Philly Special presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special. Sheil Kapadia here. Big show, fun show today. So much we're going to do. We're doing a big time film review of the Eagles week one game against the Patriots with one of my favorite X's and O's follows on Twitter, Sean Syed from Sumer Sports. I got that right. There you go. I think we'll talk about what we saw on the all 22. I've been messaging him all week with, Hey, what happened here? Am I right? Am I wrong about this? Uh, he does a great job. He's got a lot of those answers and we'll of course fast forward to Thursday night's game against the Minnesota Vikings. And then in the second segment, Cliff will join me. You know, we got to do a little Phillies. We got to do a little Gannon watch. We'll get our predictions in for Thursday night football. So we'll do all of that. Sean, Thank you for joining me, man. This is awesome to have you on. Chill, appreciate it so much. You know, to be on a podcast with such a great intro theme music, a great name. I mean, how can <laughs> anyone say no to that? I'm really excited to talk about it, and it's going to be a fun Thursday night game for sure. Yeah, you can follow follow Sean on uh, Syed Schemes on Twitter. Like, but like, I know I got to the level, Sean, where like. I was like, all right, I know the base X's and O's. Like I can, when I'm covering a team, I can be like, hey, you guys were in cover three or what was it? And get, But then there's like this next level of X's and O's, you know, Twitter. I would say that you're a part of that. Even like the people who, who fancy themselves as football nerds, they're like, all right, you know, Sean is the guy we need to uh, look at and quote tweet. Like, where did this, I, before we get started, I have to ask you like, 
where did all this football knowledge come from? The, this film grinding, you know, all the past concepts, the run concepts, like what's the background where you, you learned all that and got into all that? Sheila, you know, that, that is, that is too kind. I really do appreciate that. <laughs> I was lucky to play football in high school. I'm from Northern New Jersey. So originally, so please don't, obviously don't hold that against me. I know we got a Philly crowd here, but my oldest brother, he played in college. He got to be a passing game coordinator when he was a student there. And then actually during his first year of law school, he came back and coached my team my senior year of high school. So I just got exposed to a lot of it. Just always loved the game. You know, the stereotypical drawing up plays on note cards and not paying attention too much in class. But I ended up going to law school as well. Practice as a lawyer, just all that time, just having football X's and O's kind of running through my mind, studying stuff, tweeting out film and just I've always been really lucky to have really good resources shared with me, just building kind of, you know, you learn cover one, then you learn cover two and kind of building after that. But what luckier situation than to be talking to the original moving the chains author himself? You know, if you don't know what a sports blog is, you're missing out on the whole entire legend of Shield Kapadia. But just always, always been incredibly lucky, excited to be with Sumer Sports working full time in this space now. That's great. So you said you were a domestic violence prosecutor is that right before you got into the sports space full-time that is correct yeah i was a domestic violence prosecutor for the city of dallas and you know my boss wow. he, he let me you know a- after work or whatever you take care of your cases you watch some film there were there were no problems <laughs> there the cases got taken care of I, I don't need anyone coming back i mean obviously i can't get fired now shield but uh yeah it was a great time i loved it but i mean sports football is just i just love the game so much it's, it's just so hard to stay away the intellectual challenges that it presents and you know, the stories that come out of it that people like you are able to write about so well. It's just, it's too much fun. That's amazing. I love it. What a, what a story. Because people do message from time to time. They're like, you know, I didn't do it in uh, college, but I want to get into it and that kind of thing. So there you go. You have an example right here on the podcast about that art. Let's get to the film. The people want the film. It's week one. The week one film is always so fun, especially two new coordinators for the Eagles, different personnel. What's it going to look like? I want to start with the offense. And I went over the stats on the postgame pod. Eagles with just 251 yards of offense. That was their lowest, lower total than any game last season. And if you look at all the advanced stats, EPA per drive success rate, this was like Jalen Hurts, the worst offensive game with Jalen Hurts as a starter, really since that Bucks playoff loss a couple of years ago. So last year, everything came easy to this team. This year in week one, it didn't. And so I wanted to start there, Sean. Just the big question is kind of what happened offensively, and then we can dive into you know the, the granular stuff. But just when you look at it, big picture, you watch the film. Let's start there. Why did the Eagles offense struggle in this game? It was a bit frustrating going through the offensive film, but a lot of that was thanks to how well the Patriots played. I think the Patriots have the ability to be one of the best defenses through the NFL all year, they were able to pressure the Eagles. They were able to get them on their heels a little bit. But the most frustrating part, just going through it slowly, was some of the passing concepts that I saw. You know, they felt a little basic. Of course, it could have been because it was a rainy game. It's the first game of the season. You're just you're just getting those guys their first reps because I know they're not playing all their preseason games. And one game is not going to define their offense. It felt like there was kind of a lot of meat left on the bone, where whether Hurts was pressured and a receiver got open or Hurts how to get had to get out of the pocket for one reason or another but there's plenty of snaps when he was kept clean he played well enough I'm sure Jalen Hurts agrees that it wasn't one of his best games and maybe a little bit surprising for me it seemed like the offensive line wasn't able to just bully people in the same way they were able to last year that's definitely something that I want to make sure that gets tracked kind of week after week are those guys meshing well are they continuing to play together obviously one of the 
the best coaches, the offensive line coaches in the whole entire NFL with the Eagles. But Patriots pass rush got home. So just kind of a combination of things. He's playing with the lead. I don't think they took their foot off the gas, but I know they're going to look deep at that film. Obviously, a quick turnaround, try and get things changed over for the Vikings. Yeah, that the first thing I wrote down was the O-line struggling. I mean, I got through like two and a half quarters of the film and I was like, you know what? I don't think it's as much on Jalen Hurts as I thought it was during the game. I mean, you mentioned their tackle specifically, Lane Johnson and Jordan Mylott. I mean, both guys had tough games. There's no like sugarcoating it. And it's weird because when you watch the film last year, there would just be games where it was just like the pocket is so pristine. And I'm just thinking like other quarterbacks in the NFL must be watching this being like, come on, that that's uh, unfair what Jalen Hurts has. And he didn't have that uh, for a large part in this game. I mean, a lot of the notes I wrote down again through the, I would say the first two and a half quarters when they were having negative plays, when they were leaving plays on the field, a lot of that was because of pass protection. Sean, I thought that once it got to, let's say, no, I'm just estimating here, but it was kind of like that middle of the third quarter. That's when the notes started turning to they're leaving some plays on the field. And, and it's that whole effect of maybe the pressure it's a cumulative effect, right? The quarterback has gotten hit or pressured for every possession or almost every possession throughout the course of a game. And now maybe he's bailing uh, a little bit earlier. Maybe he's not seeing things clearly because he's worried about the pass rush. Is that, did you, did you kind of, am I onto something there? Did you sort of track it uh, that way too? It seemed like the plays that were left on the field were more later in the game by Jalen Hurts, like in the second half, third quarter, fourth quarter. Yeah, I was going back and forth on my mind, just watching all the dropbacks, counting how many times Okay, did Jalen Hurts bail from the pocket? So I think I tracked around 10 of them. And I do consider myself not a light grader, but more of just an optimistic person. I think the harshest grader would probably say that maybe two and a half or three of those were like, oh, you really had to have thrown the ball there. But what I like that Hurts wasn't skittish. You know, you see across the league every every single week, pressure is starting to bother quarterbacks. They're moving over in their drop or their eyes are just going down the rush. You know, Hurts is an adult back there. I think it's it's not every single game is going to be how well he played in the Super Bowl, but not every game is going to look like that either. And as I think that the offensive line continues to get more reps, they're not going to face those Pat- Patriots pass rushers every week. But figuring out pressure is certainly going to be something that that's going to be big on the Eagles offensive line, especially with Brian Flores happy to come in uh, in week two on a short week. Yeah, Vikings, I think, were the highest splits percentage team in, in week one when I was looking it up. Uh, earlier today, if you just go by number of pass rushers, even though uh, obviously probably some of those were uh, sim pressures or whatever. But with Hertz, I thought that there were there was like a sequence I sent to you, and I want to go over uh, these plays specifically because I'm watching it going. All right, it feels like he's leaving some plays on the field, and you gave very sort of nuanced answers where I'm like, yeah, he's he's actually right uh, about a lot of this. So this was a possession in the second half where they had a 48 yard field goal. And there was one play Tony Romo pointed out where Dallas Goddard is kind of wide open and Jalen Hurts takes a deep shot to A.J. Brown. The safety comes over. It's like double coverage. It's incomplete. And Romo was saying, you know, he had Goddard kind of underneath here for an easy completion. He didn't take that one. The next one, I think it was uh, four verticals. He got some pressure. He comes over to the right side. It's kind of a scramble drill. And again, it looks on film like, man, Goddard's sort of, you know, open there. Uh, He doesn't take it. He throws short, short, I think it was, to Devontae Smith, and it's incomplete. And then uh, the third one was the third down where he had Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard both on the left side. And that time he actually threw the ball to Goddard. And again, Romo was like, oh, you know, Devontae Smith kind of separated here. That might have been the better read. 
Those three plays, that sequence specifically was all in one possession. What did you kind of see there in terms of how much is, of that is on Hurts, how much of it is, you know, it, it really could just go either way? Going to the A.J. Brown deep ball first. Now, Goddard, absolutely, right? He broke open on that, but covered for some receivers, it just means something different for A.J. Brown. Him, when there's a person on him, it doesn't always mean that he's covered. So I'm fine with saying, you know, Hurts, be a little patient, get get the ball to Goddard there. But I'm also fine with watching Jalen Hurts throw that ball up in the Super Bowl on a similar route where he was also covered and getting a touchdown. So I I don't know. I understand being absolutely could be critical of it. I don't think there's too much of a problem there. But my quarterback taking a shot on first and 10 to an absolute stud wide receiver, I'm comfortable with that. And I think it can be frustrating, you know, through the game, maybe things aren't going your way, but I wouldn't want to teach that out of Jalen Hurts because we're going to have less big plays for the offense. So I was kind of fine with that. I understand, I think, Eagles fans, if you guys are a little bit mad at that. But the next time that comes up and A.J. Brown comes down with it, just just maybe remember that play and give Jalen a little bit of a lighter time. The seam ball to the left side, are we? it was a four verts, yeah, where you got those yeah. four people kind of running straight. They, they would have those outside guys stop. My problem with that was they ran the same kind of concept five or it seemed like five or six different times where of course the defense is going to be able to adjust to that so on that concept you would have liked your receiver to get a little bit more inside but since they ran it just to play earlier the defender pushed him out so that closes the window so it's it's almost just a waterfall effect of is he kind of open you know I did, maybe it'd be a cocky throw maybe you see a guy like josh allen just absolutely take that but you know cornerback could easily close on that i'm fine maybe maybe dinging him a little bit on the on that, but when he scrambles out, I'm I'm looking at Dallas Goddard 40 yards down the field. I don't want my quarterback throwing throwing <laughs> that ball on the run with the safety coming. I know that uh, it was a, a real frustrating game for Dallas Goddard. I know that there was a play that not on this drive, but I do want to just touch on it real quick. Where yeah, it looks like he's wide open and he's just there. He's jumping up and down, and I would jump up and down and probably throw my helmet if that happened to me too. But on that play, he's not a part of the concept after the snap happens. So before the snap, there's a cornerback pressed up on him. Once that happens, he's out of Jalen Hurts' mind. Then we're just reading the defensive end and running a run concept. So easy to, to I think, ding, ding a quarterback when there's a guy running down the field. But that wasn't the one. And then the last play, you know, where you have Devonta Smith, you know, he's probably your best route runner. He's getting a, a good look with good leverage. I didn't hate the decision to throw to Dallas Goddard. I think if you pause the film the second that you can feel Jalen Hurts' arm going back and that decision's made. He's on an outbreaker, breaking away from the defender. Not the best throw. I do think that was a play yeah. where the pressure did push Hurts off his spot a little bit. And yeah, you know, I would have liked him to work down to Devonta Smith there as well. But all in all, I think it it's easy to look at it and say, man, we, we left all these open receivers on the field, but there's going to be times this year where that ball gets thrown deep. AJ Brown comes down with it. There's going to be times where the offense is just running, I would say, better concepts and players are going to be open and they're going to get it. And I would be really surprised if that kind of performance from Jalen Hurts is repeated week after week. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, so much is just like one play here and there. And your AJ Brown point was a great one because when he does that and then he comes down in between two defenders, you mentioned with the Super Bowl, it was against the Steelers. I mean, I don't know how many, there was probably like a handful of times last year where they do the exact same thing. And on the pod, Solak and I would say the same thing. Well, you know, this is actually supposed to go to 
so-and-so underneath, but you have you, you got traded for A.J. Brown. You paid A.J. Brown. He comes down with these plays. I'm not going to tell my quarterback to not take a shot there. And so that's what he did there. Um, you know, there was the, eight, the play where A.J. Brown kind of juggled the ball on the right sideline uh, and his foot was out of balance by the time he gained control. If he comes down with that, that's a 48-yard gain. Hurts uh, kind of underthrew Devontae Smith on the left sideline on one a little bit. If that ball's a little bit out of fr- out in front, I thought Smith uh, stack the cornerback, then that that's a big game. So it was kind of one of those weird ones where normally when you take three, four, five of these shots, one or two are going to hit and it's going to look a lot different than it did on Sunday. But like you, you said, a credit to the Patriots. Uh, they did a good job. Eagles missed some of those. And uh, yeah, that Goddard play was, I, I had to send that to you because I'm, you know, I'm watching it and it's, you know, I'm like, is this an RPO? Because it's third and three. For those who, you know, go back, and I know some people do do this. They'll go back and they'll watch this. It's third and three in the second half, and Hurts hands the ball to Gainwell. Gainwell picks up the first down, but the Patriots came on a blitz, and Goddard is literally running down the, the field by him, doing everything like you made the joke. I'm surprised he didn't toss his helmet. He did everything but toss his helmet on that play. Just kind of like, oh my God, we had a touchdown here. But to your point, if Hertz is being taught, hey, if that guy's pressed up before the ball snap, we're not even looking at that. That's out of the progression. Uh, that probably, you know, that's how he's coached and he's doing the right thing. And his reaction was funny. He saw Goddard. I don't know if you caught this on film and he kind of just looked at him and gave him like a, a low thumbs up. Uh, after I always like to see how the quarterback's like reacting <laughs> when a guy's going nuts like that. Um, so that's another uh, uh, another good example. So yeah, one or two of those hits throughout the course of a game and we're probably looking at this performance a little bit differently, right? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think that I, Sheila, I don't know if you have a view on this, but I just wish that there was never rain in a football game or snow or weather yeah, impacting anything. Other I hate it. It makes the film look kind of weird. I know people <laughs> love the aesthetic of, oh, it's snowing in Buffalo. I do love a January. snow game. Yes, I'll I say I, I do love that. a snow game. No, <laughs> I can't do it. Um, I, I just would love for all of these games. And of course, you're going to play late games, especially obviously at Lincoln Financial Field where it's later in the year. It's going to get cold. I'm fine with that. I understand that. But in an ideal world, you know, you're playing Madden, you turn the weather settings off. We just we just really get to see these guys go after it. And you're not worried, oh, is my tackle slipping a little bit because the turf is wet and really get to evaluate these people fully. Yeah, that that was actually the, the third thing I had written down was that I thought it was a very conservative game plan. And I did wonder how much of that had to do with the weather, how much of that had to do with kind of Belichick, you know, he get sometimes gets in the opposing coach's head where the coach is like, we cannot give this game away. Like, that's how they win. We're the more talented team. We're not going to give it away. Just because when you looked at it, I just felt like this was more of a don't give them the game approach as opposed to a step on their throats and take it to them. Like, you know, we're going to score 35 points type game. I mean, they were running the ball on third and long. The one time they did it to set up like a 56 yard field goal uh, or something, you know, they had a jailbreak screen, which is, a you know, those sometimes hit on third down, but it wasn't like a, hey, let's, you know, make some plays downfield on third and long. It was like, let's not kind of give the ball away. Even the end of the first half, you know, 25 seconds left, they have two timeouts at their own 25. And you might say, come on, that's, you know, every team is going to kneel on the ball there. The Dolphins Chargers game, uh, which was on at the same time, they had the ball, what was it, like 14, nine seconds left, right? Something like that. And they ran two plays, they got a defensive pass interference. They kicked a long field goal. 
they end up winning the game by two points. Like it was literally the the difference in the game was them being aggressive there. So uh, again, this is one game. It was in the rain. It was in New England. I'm not saying this is how they're going to play all season long, but that was something else that caught my attention. Uh, one thing I wanted to circle back on, you mentioned sort of basic pass concepts. And I, I've heard like other smart people say this about the Eagles, even last year, like it's not the most voluminous playbook. It's, you know, it's not, sometimes it's just like, take your one-on-ones uh, type deal. Can you elaborate a little bit on sort of what you mean by that? Is that just not like, you know, running two man, three man concepts to free guys up against man coverage, that kind of thing, more isolated routes. What do you mean sort of by more, more basic pass concepts? Yeah. So one of the concepts they used a ton of against the Patriots, it's called four verticals. That's exactly what it is. You got four people yeah. running vertical down the field. It's a, it is a basic, basic concept. It can be kind of a day one install. This is what we're practicing on the first day, but it's not that it's easy for the defense to figure it out. There's just so many things that don't go right in that situation where everyone's running in the same direction. And then the defense can adjust to that kind of easily where Last year, I didn't have a problem with if someone was to say, oh, this playbook is, quote, basic. I didn't think that was an issue because they were always, and Shane Steichen did a great job with this last year, there were just always answers to problems that defenses were giving them. And, you know, when you have the better 11 guys on the field, you can absolutely do that. I think it felt like this game plan was a little bit of, you know, our 11 are probably better than your 11. Let's roll out the ball and go play. And it felt like, this is going to be a good learning experience for their new offensive coordinator going into week two, getting all those different looks and just expanding the playbook. You know, it's it's a long season. The Eagles expect to be playing later on. And I think they can use different things to give them more of an advantage where I think they used 11 personnel, which is one running back and one tight end, just a ton. You can use different over 80 percent. Yeah, I think it was over 80 yeah. percent of the time, which was a surprise. And you can get you can get an extra tight end on the field to make the defense try and change out of that. You can use different formations, different motions. Maybe they don't want to run Hurts a ton, although they did run a lot of quarterback draw. And that's another good example where, yeah, quarterback draw absolutely worked the first time. It was a killer play last year. It's going to keep being run. We're going to see Jalen Hurts walk into the end zone against teams this year with that same thing. But later in the game, the Patriots are able to adjust to it. So I do think, you know, maybe it was a little conservative. It was a little bit basic where it felt like, hey, you don't have to have a million different concepts. I'm not saying that, but whether you're dressing them up a different way or sometimes the timing of when they're called. And I do have confidence in that offense to be able to figure it out. But I know Eagles fans, you guys aren't used to having to watch late in the games last year. We just blowing teams out (laughs) and getting a, getting a go to bed early on Sunday night. So it's a little bit different, you know, this year. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. That's right. That was my biggest takeaway after the game. It's like, all right, this is kind of a, you're going to come back to reality a little bit this year. It's not just going to be the third quarter. Hey, what do we want to do with the rest of our afternoon? We can catch up on the big plays later. Like the games are going to come down to the wire. Uh, Last thing I wanted to ask you about on the offense. There's always this whole like, so-and-so laid the blueprint for how to stop offense X, which generally drives me nuts, you know, like trends, that kind of thing generally uh, drives me nuts. Cause I'm like, hey, is it a trend or is it like well, a lot of things in sports and football are just a one-off. So uh, if someone were to bring you that argument and say, Hey, Patriots, you know, they laid the blueprint for how to stop the Eagles. What would kind of your reaction be like how they played? Is that easily duplicated by other defenses in the NFL? Or would you be like, no, man, I, I, I really don't think so. Well, my first response would be, do you have Bill Belichick in your game plan meetings? And then do you have Matthew <laughs> Judon, all that defensive versatility on the back end on your team? And if you don't, then I think maybe we could have a different conversation. But I don't think there was just a flat blueprint, right? I don't think there's going to be that many times. I think 
Sheila, I don't know if I'm right. We didn't see the push sneak once, right? Because they weren't in any situations where it was available. No, I don't think we saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that there, I'm sure there's a question of, well, how do the Eagles face the blitz? How do they get to this? Right. They get these. One of the biggest problems is if you're in third and eight a lot, you're going to face a lot of blitzes. So the, the, one of the easy quote solves for that is don't be in that situation, right? If you can get to just better down in distances where you have more early down success, you're going to face a lot different of those looks, right? So I think it'll be interesting to track first the Vikings, where the Vikings are going to be a team that they're going to try and attack you for sure. So the Eagles got a good week where on film, they saw this is how a defense attacked us. We need to clean things up with protection. Maybe we need to figure out things with our running back. Quarterbacks just got to keep figuring out. These are our hot answers. We're going to get to these quickly. And I just think they're, I think they're going to be able to get it figured out. You're not facing the Patriots defense every week. Now, when it comes Cowboys time, that'll be interesting, but feel that that's a pod for a different day for sure. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. I thought the big thing, I mean, the Patriots really held up well up front. Like they didn't, the first thing we led with here, they didn't get pushed around. Like most of the time, the Eagles are winning those battles up front, both in pass protection and the run game being more efficient, more explosive. Like if you can't do that, I don't think none of this, the other stuff probably doesn't matter. You can try to scheme it up all you want, but you're going to have trouble with the Eagles offense. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see how many defenses, if any, can hold up the way the Patriots did up front, because I thought that was, uh, that was definitely a big factor. All right, take a little break, and then we're going to come back and talk about that Eagles defense. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. What's one that I like this week? You know what? I like the the Packers a little bit. Minus one and a half at Atlanta. I didn't think the Falcons were really impressive uh, in week one, even though they got the win. So I like Green Bay in that game. You can go with whatever you want. And remember, now's the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Ringer Philly and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. NFL Sunday ticket offer ends 9-18-23. No refunds. Terms and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. Not YouTube TV. YouTube TV base plan required to watch YouTube TV. Redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment. Commercial use excluded. All right, we are back on the Ringers Philly special. Someone pointed out, I had a thing like early, I'm like, how many times am I going to say we're back on extra point taken the other pod versus this pod? And someone's like, you already did this. It's week one. Like that counter is already starting. So that time I made sure the Ringers Philly special. There you go. Uh, This defense, Sean, I thought there was a lot of like anticipation. What's it going to look like? With Sean Desai, what's it going to look like with all these new starters? What are they going to get uh, from these younger players? And statistically, it wasn't great. They ranked 28th out of 32 teams 
in success rate in week one, but they also won some high leverage plays. I mean, they scored a defensive touchdown uh, on the interception. They limited the Patriots to five for 15 on third down. They got a stop at the end uh, to keep them uh, out of the end zone there. So um, I know you were messaging me some stuff on kind of what looked different with a Sean Desai defense compared to a Jonathan Gannon defense. Uh, what did you see in terms of, hey, these might be some hints about how Desai wants to play with this group in Philadelphia? If your one complaint last year was that the defense was too static, if that was your chief complaint, then Sean Desai really, really answered that in week one, which is extremely encouraging. I think now you got to find a different complaint for the defense because there was a lot more coverage versatility, which was encouraging to see. But more importantly to me, they were playing different fronts. So their defensive linemen, their linebackers, they were in different positions. And that gives an offense a tougher time in one, how they prepare, but how they adjust their blocking assignment. And it gives a defensive coordinator more answers to the specific problems that offenses are going to present. Because what you don't want happening is the offense just running the same exact run concept over and over, and you don't have an adjustment to it because you're just telling those guys to go out and play ball. So to me, it was a good example. Sean Desai wasn't too proud. You know, I think he morphed different things on the back end where now the question is, they had some trouble with bunch sets against the Patriots, and whoever's that linebacker, it's not just just those people in this specific system where, of course, you're still trying to limit that deep pass linebackers are the exact part of the defense that offenses are going to want to attack and obviously got that injury at that second level so that's going to be a question all year not just is this a system issue or that but eventually in football the offense is going to find a way to get their their guy matched up on your guy and I feel bad for the linebackers across the league because they have such a tough job but linebackers getting attacked in pass coverage is going to be something that they're going to have to work through for for the whole year. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Now with N'Kobe Dean's on injured reserve. So, um, you know, we'll talk about that Vikings matchup, but you're talking about Christian Ellis or Nicholas Morrow, like one of these guys um, teaming up with Zach Cunningham. Not ideal. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what they do there. Uh, some of the things that looked out look, were interesting, just looking at the numbers, certainly more man coverage uh, with this group than we saw last year. You know, I was just looking up third and fourth down with at least three yards to go. So non-short yardage situations. Last year, they played man about 27. This is for uh, true media and pro football focus. They played man 27.6% of the time. In this game, that was up over 47%. And watching on film, you were like, okay, there is a lot of, they, yeah, like they're, they're manning up quite a bit. Like you mentioned, some of those plays they got burned on, you know, like the bunch sets uh, where Slay is off, I remember, on the one, and it was kind of a shallow crosser that was wide open, I think, on a uh, on a third down there. So there's definitely some stuff. It looked to me like a defense that it was like, yes, this is the first time they're playing with this defensive coordinator, right? Did, did that stand out to you? Like you were kind of like, all right, there's miscommunication with passing stuff off and some of the zones. They're not like huge busts where it's resulting in a 75-yard touchdown, but kind of openings and conversions. Is, is that kind of how you felt watching it as well? Absolutely. It was a time where they're going to be able to go back on the film the same same way they did on the offensive side and say, we need to hammer out our bunch rules. And that's okay for week one, right? It's not happening in the Super Bowl. And we're not, we're not concerned with it there. We're obviously there were issues that Super Bowl. I don't want to bring those back up. But it's going to be good <laughs> that the defense gets that experience. They're going to be able to work through it early on. And it's going to be fun because I know the Vikings have to th- be thinking, let's try and attack in the same ways. What was the most encouraging thing is we just can't keep letting the Eagles and Howie Roseman get away with having these sorts of defensive lines. 
it's 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 not fair. It's crazy that we got Milton Williams having all these awesome snaps. Yeah. Jordan Davis emerging. It's those defensive ends are continuing to get after it. And where I say, okay, maybe there's some issues. You got injuries on the back end. Your linebackers can get exploited. A lot of that's not going to matter if the defensive line is just eating people up. And maybe they don't get the same number of sacks last year, but you could feel the pressure on on screen right away. And Mac Jones, I thought, did a pretty good job getting the ball out. And Bill O'Brien, he's obviously that Patriots offense looked a lot different uh, in week one than last year. So they got to different easy button answers to make it hard on the defense. So good experience. And it feels better going into the week 1-0 than 0-1. It's such a huge difference where when you're cleaning things up and you see things that are wrong, it's it's good. But that team's going to hang their hat on the defensive line all year. And it's it's going to be, I think a lot of times, it's going to be live and die based on that. Yeah, you could tell the Patriots came into this game like, all right, we know they're going to win the matchup up, up front. How can we not let that totally wreck the game? I mean, how many times were they throwing those screens out to the perimeter? I, I lost track, but um, it was it felt like every other play, they would just catch the ball, throw the screen. And, and you're right. I thought, yeah, I thought Mac Jones played pretty well. He missed some throws. He missed the throw on the pick six. But overall, he was kind of hanging in there and he was taking some hits and he was under pressure. And that's not the most talented uh, supporting cast that he's working with. Uh, I think he got rid of the ball. It was 2.52 seconds, uh, the fourth quickest time to release uh, in the NFL in week one. So that was kind of their whole game plan is don't let the pass rush dominate. And the pass rush was still really, really good. Uh, I heard our friend uh, Fran Duffy talking about this, just the number of stunts and games that the Eagles ran up front. That was another thing that I thought was way different from last year. I thought they had success doing that. Uh, the blitzes, it was actually a lower percentage blitz than they averaged last year. But John decided, like, like you said, it was not boring. It was fun film. They were just, wait, Reed Blankenship's not even on the screen. And now he's he's uh, he, he's blitzing here. Christian, I thought this was interesting. The last possession it was second and 10, game on the line. And he sends Christian Ellis on a blitz. Uh, Mac Jones steps up and it's a Jalen Carter sack there like those situations kind of tell you what's in a guy's dna you know like the game's on the line what does he want to do does he want to hang back and and just play it safe or is he willing to kind of get after it and he called uh, uh a blitz there so what did you think of kind of the th- those different types of things kind of you know deploying different guys from different spots uh after the quarterback and, and kind of the creativity there for better or worse it certainly didn't work every, every time but uh there were some fun snaps in there as well offenses in the nfl quarterbacks offensive coordinators they're just too good for you to sit back in one defense the entire game unless yeah. obviously if the defense is more talented than the offense but i'm I'm glad to see desai at least try different things now yeah there, there was of course that play where the safety is coming out and the the most positive view of that <laughs> is hey the running back can't go out into a pass route that's one <laughs> less guy for us to cover right maybe Maybe that's something you get on film to set up later, but I'm glad you brought up those those stunts as well, where finding different ways to get one-on-ones for your defensive linemen. You saw it kind of across the league in week one where Micah Parsons is lined over different people. Miles Garrett is lined up over different people and not just saying, you know, let's just go go ahead, run straight and win your one-on-one, but stunting in different ways. And it gives the offensive line something extra to think about. I would hate to have to sit in those meetings and be like, hey, you know, if we're we can't be a tick off because that's going to cause pressure for the quarterback where we saw it on the opposite end for the Eagles offense, where when the quarterback's pressured, doesn't matter what the pass concept is. So I think the Eagles and Sean Desire realizes that they can make the game like that, too. Right. They obviously you hope that they stay healthy all year in the secondary already have some a little banged up right away. But things get a lot easier for your coverage when your defensive line 
is playing really, really well. So that's something that I hope Desai keeps on doing and pr- pressing different buttons to get different pressures, keep the offensive line off balance and make coaches just work through all of that. All right. The guy we have to talk about, if you're an Eagles fan and you're going, oh, you know, I wanted something a little more positive. It's week one. We're going to Thursday night football. Sean, Jalen Carter. I mean, I, I try not to be like hyperbole, uh, you know, put a guy in the Hall of Fame after one week. I try to be very measured after uh, week one. And let's have the caveat up front that the Patriots were starting two rookie guards who were day three picks. So absolutely, the competition will get a little stiffer. If you thought the hype train on Jalen Carter was going to slow down after week one, after training camp, I'm sorry. This guy moves differently than any other defensive tackle this team has had in a while, than most defensive tackles in the NFL. He came in right away. He was making, he has like a pass. He's, he's not just like an athlete. He has like a pass rush plan. He's setting up offensive linemen. They could not block Jalen. I mean, every time I looked up, who was that? Who was it? Was that Fletcher? Now the other guys had, had good games and we'll talk about them as well. But most of the time it was Jalen Carter. I honestly couldn't, I, every, like I do a radio, I did a radio hit this morning. And I'm trying to like be a little bit measured, but Am I not like, am, am I exact? Am I going too far? Tell me that. Or do you kind of have that same sort of enthusiasm just at his play in week one that I have from watching the film? It, it's great to hear it from you because I know sometimes it feels like you're a little tough on those Georgia players. You want to you want to see them <laughs> make, make those plays. But absolutely, Jalen Carter just popped off the screen. He was he has the ability to just be a drive killer. I do want to see it over and over, you know, versus the Vikings. I know we'll get to that, but. The Vikings have an issue at right guard, so it's not like Jalen Carter is going to be facing the best pass protector in the world. And I love that you mentioned his pass rush plan. I think early on in guys' careers, sometimes you see, well, this person is just trying to attack with speed, or they're just trying to bowl this guy over. But yeah, he's stringing moves together. He's finding counters off those moves, and he feels like a real natural and just obviously has the talent to just be a stud. And it's I keep thinking about it. How do we let the Eagles get away with this again where they got another guy? I'm I'm still watching Fletcher Cox make plays and that defensive line room, those meetings got to be a lot of fun where um, maybe they're on a group chat just talking to each other like, all right, which one of us is going to get the most pressures <laughs> this week? They do a really, really good job and it it makes everyone's life easier because if you're only rushing four people and the offensive line has five people, maybe the offense says we have to bring the center over to Jalen Carter. We need to make sure we have two people on him, makes one-on-ones for everyone else, right? Go ahead and win that matchup. That's it's just, it's a big deal. So I don't think you're, you have too much hyperbole. I'm excited to see it week after week. And what was encouraging is I think he, he played a lot of snaps, right? So it wasn't that he was, yeah. he was only playing just in pass rush situations. Him in the run game, that, that opens up a lot for your linebackers. I think part of the reason why Nicobe Dean was just free a lot of the time, and I do think Dean really, really played well, and I'm excited for him to hopefully get back healthy, but the defensive line is just eating up blocks and letting those guys run free. So it's another way that the defensive line just, real waterfall effect helping all the different players on the team when they're playing well. Yeah, Jalen Carter played uh, 38 snaps in this game. Jordan Davis made more plays in this game, I thought, than he did all the last year. I mean, he was fantastic uh, in this game, both uh, against the run and also against the pass. I thought Milton, I'm glad you mentioned Milton Williams. Like Milton, this this might have been the bet. Milton Williams, we've been, the Philly special has been a fan of Milton Williams. 
I think this was his the best game of his career. I mean, he was fantastic uh, in this game, again, both um, uh, against the run and as a pass rusher. Fletcher Cox had a possession in the second half that he just kind of took over, and you were like, oh, like I, I was covering the Eagles when you know they drafted Fletcher Cox, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, like I remember those days in 2017 where you're like, this guy can move. So he can't, they mentioned this on the broadcast, he might not be able to do that every snap or as consistently, but can he kind of reach into his pocket and still do it? Uh, yeah, he, he can. So I thought the defensive tackles were, uh, were fantastic in this game. And I think that's probably a good, uh, a good transition for us to look at the, uh, the, the matchup on Thursday night. Uh, so why don't we start there with the Eagles that we'll continue to talk about the Eagles defense, if there's anything else you wanted to hit on, but watching that Vikings offense in week one, they have 18 first downs, 369 yards, uh, against Tampa. They lose that game, three turnovers, including two where they were like inside the Bucks 30 yard line. So that game certainly could have gone a lot differently. What do you kind of see with the Vikings offense, what they want to do? They draft Jordan Addison. They've got a talented supporting cast. They've got some issues up front. Uh, Kirk Cousins, Kevin O'Connell. What kind of stands out about what you see from them and how they might want to attack this, uh, this Eagles defense? The Vikings offense is so much different than the game last year where it seemed like the Eagles almost broke them, where they yeah. realized if we put two people on Justin Jefferson, who is, of course, the engine of the Vikings offense last year, the Vikings didn't really have a counter off of that. But like you said, they draft Jordan Addison, who he showed that game-breaking ability on that touchdown against the Buccaneers. And TJ Hawkinson, you know, he's looking at that injury report. He's looking at who you guys have at the second level. And I think that's going to be something that Kevin O'Connell is really going to want to get after. Because if you're devoting extra resources to Justin Jefferson, as you probably should, that's going to leave one-on-ones elsewhere. So I'm excited to see how much bunch is the Viking, are the Vikings going to use, right? They should test, hopefully early on, did, did you guys figure this out, right? Did you guys talk about this? Did you understand, well, this is the leverage that we have to play with. Maybe we just got to run a different coverage against the bunch. But the weaknesses at offensive line, they have, they're on their backup center. They've had issues at guard for a little bit. Doesn't matter what route Justin Jefferson runs and doesn't matter how open he is if, if, if uh, Fletcher Cox is in the backfield, right? So that's going to yeah. be, be a big thing that is, you're going to be able to see it on the TV copy right away. Are the Eagles pass rushers just creating those problems? But last year, Kirk Cousins got to see a lot of different pressure looks because that was one of the ways that teams tried to just solve the Vikings. They just they just attacked them. So I do think Sean Desai will do a bit of that. But it's it's going to be a big question of is your third cornerback going to be able to cover Jordan Addison? Is your is your third linebacker going to be able to cover TJ Hawkinson? And then seeing what ways does Kevin O'Connell use different formations to make sure that Justin Jefferson is not just always kind of blanketed by Darius Slay. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. The injuries are uh, a big thing here. I just tried to see if the Eagles released their uh, injury report as we record this, and they did. So Reed Blankenship, Eagles safety, out. James Bradbury, Eagles cornerback, out. And then on the offensive side, Kenny Gainwell, uh, he's going to be out. And Fletcher Cox is questionable with this game with the rib injury. So there you go. I mean, you mentioned it. You're talking. Sean Desai has does have a challenge this week. I mean, you're talking about Bradbury's out, so that probably means Josh Job is starting on the outside there with Darius Slay on the other side. Avante Maddox in the nickel. I, I thought Maddox actually did not have a great game on Sunday. Watching it live, I thought he was pretty good, but then watching the the film, I thought he certainly uh, was part of some of the. And it's not always just one guy there, but the communication stuff like that. There was a lot of that in the middle of the field. In the middle of the field. 
Uh, he's certainly going to be your nickel. So that's the cornerback situation against, you mentioned it, Addison, Jefferson, KJ Osborne. Then at safety, Reed Blankenship is their most reliable safety. I, I thought he actually played well in week one. You know, there were a couple like bad reps here and there, but I thought overall he actually played really well. And so I don't know who they're going to play uh, at safety here. They started Justin Evans in week one. You would imagine he would still be in there. Do they start the rookie, Sidney Brown? Uh, do they put Terrell Edmonds in there? It was actually interesting, Sean. The last possession of the uh, game against the Patriots, Terrell Edmonds is in there, but he's like a dime linebacker uh, in there. He was their third safety on the field. So do you see some of that? Because Nicobe Dean's out, or is Christian Ellis going to be uh, a full-time player? Is Nicholas Morrow going to be in there? I mean, we're not you know, going to hate on any of these players, but again, these, these are backups. Some of them you just added uh, very late. So uh, definitely some, some challenges for Sean Desai from a personnel standpoint going up against this supporting cast. And the Vikings offense, they tried to revamp some things in the running game going into week one. They're being a little bit more aggressive. They're getting a second tight end on the, on the field. They're trying to run more downhill at you. And if the Eagles defensive line, they ball out again, that's not going to be an answer that they're able to get to. So the hope is that you're able to stop those early down runs where Kevin O'Connell's usual answer to that is you get right into the play action game and you, you make everyone think you're running the ball. And then Justin Jefferson's on an inbreaker. He makes the guy miss. Because the Vikings offense against the Buccaneers, they had so many explosive plays. They were just, it seemed like every single time that they were they started to move the ball, it was based on that, where sometimes they're trying to get that whole chunk before they get little bits. And I think that's a good approach to offense, but Sean Desai is going to understand that. The defense is built around limiting those plays, but it's going to come down to a lot of one-on-ones. And is is your player going to be able to stop one of these Vikings receivers? Yeah, like you said, you know, you can you can put a safety to to help on Justin Jefferson, they do have other guys. Uh, it's probably going to come down to can the Eagles the pass rush dominate, you know, as you mentioned there at the top, because the uh, Vikings are without their starting center, Garrett Bradbury. You mentioned some of the issues at guard. Uh, their left tackle, Christian Derrissaw, I think, is questionable. So uh, can you pressure Kirk Cousins? Can you force him to hold on to the ball just a little bit longer for that pass rush to get there? So uh, it really could play out one of two ways. You know, one is that uh, the Eagles pass rush dominates and you have a game like you had last season. But if they don't, uh, I do think it's it's probably asking a lot for the guys who are going to be on the field, given what we saw in week one against the Patriots. If you told me those guys are going to hold up well in coverage, now they have injuries, that would surprise me. Not saying it could ha- couldn't happen. Football surprises us all the time, but uh, that certainly would surprise me. All right, last matchup we'll get to, and then we'll let you go. Uh, Eagles offense versus the Vikings defense. Vikings hire Brian Flores to uh, replace Ed Donatel last, last year, week two. Ed Donatel was employing the, you know, you just mentioned it. You can't be static. I mean, that was as static uh, an opponent, I feel like, as I've seen in years going up against the Eagles. It was, hey, force Jalen Hurts to be in the pocket and methodically move the ball downfield. And he kind of carved them up. Well, you couldn't have any opposite of, uh, it's like when someone's, you know, dating one type of person and then their next partner is the complete opposite, you know, or, or like owners do this in the NFL. Like they have a coach who's a real disciplinarian and they, you know what? We need a, a player. They swing all the way in the other direction. That's kind of what the Vikings are doing here, right? Going from Ed Donatel to Brian Flores. Yeah. The Vikings, you know, I think they did a head coach too, going from Zimmer to Kevin O'Connell. So <laughs> yeah, it's, that's right. it's, it's fun to see. <laughs> it's, it is, I think a really, really interesting film to watch. Hopefully it'll be good to watch week after week because Brian Flores' approach is we're going to solve our problems 
with aggression. And it's it's <laughs> not the most common approach on defensive coordinators. I think it's slowly kind of getting back in after we had that huge swing to the Fangio tree. But fighting back on defense, is it's so fun. You're going to see different times this week where there are seven Vikings defenders lined up on the line of scrimmage. You don't know who is coming, if they're coming, when they're coming, sometimes even why they're coming. But they will get a free rusher at you. They will. It's going to happen. So your team is going to have to figure out what are our quick answers? Is it getting to the screen game? And something I really liked about Flores is they get that free rusher because they overload you, right? Your quarterback can't play offensive line as well. So you're not going to have enough people to block if they keep sending people at you. But the Vikings, you know, their secondary, maybe not be the best secondary in the league, right? They're not able to cover, I think, especially guys like AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. So against the Buccaneers, who... Of course, they have Mike Evans. They have good receivers and Chris Godwin. They played a lot of zone coverage. So it might not be the biggest thing about, are we going to confuse the heck out of you? But we're not too proud where we're saying we need to win every single one-on-one matchup. So Flores is going to do that early. Going to try and get after you. He's going to get a free rusher. So you better have some sort of answer, whether it's, again, the screen game, whether it's something going quick across the middle of the field. Philadelphia knows that. Those guys are going to try and work it out. And those cover two looks that the Vikings were getting to, when we think of those defenses where it's like, oh, you have a deep safety or something, in Madden, it's it's covered automatically. But <laughs> in the real world, it is a one-on-one with Devonta Smith running at you with a 20-yard head start, and he has a two-way go, right? So that that's a situation where I'm going to take Devonta Smith every single time. So I want to see Hurts be able to drive that ball down the field. Again, fingers crossed for no rain in any football game, but particularly this football <laughs> game where one of the answers might be if, if you have a safety back there where he's rotating out when he's close to the line, I'm going to go ahead and take my receiver against that every time. Yeah, I've been, uh, I think I mentioned it on, on this podcast, their extra point taken. I'm workshopping this, this like anti Vic Fangio, not him necessarily, but I'm kind of tired of NF, every NFL podcaster being like the fan, you know, Fangio this, Fangio trio. It's it's like, let's be a grown-up. Let's play some Brian Flores type football. And like you said, solve your problems with aggression. This is this is how football was played when I was young. I'm older than you, but so you know, we I can work on that take. You let me know down the road if you want want to join me or if you're like, I don't want to be connected to this at all. Sure, you know, I, I have my job now because an article <laughs> I wrote about Vic Fangio. So I, I can't I can't I can't just throw it away fully. But I will say that that defense, that style of defense, it it has limited the deep pass in a lot of different ways. So it, it might make it boring depending on how you look at it, right? We see guys like Patrick Mahomes, people putting all those safeties back. They do it against Joe Burrow too. And it, it's for good reason. Defense, it's it's too hard to be a defensive coordinator. You're you got all these yeah. these speedy receivers, you got all these different run concepts. The rules are in favor of the offense. So defenses that I do, I, I'm leaning towards your your situation. I may have said some things in a in a text message thread that were a little inflammatory towards the beloved Fangio defense. But when when you have the guy running it in Vic Fangio, it's different. Obviously, I know this week yeah. the Chargers put up a lot of points. But Sean Desai is one of my favorite people from that tree. Where even when he was with the Bears, and the the reason being, he doesn't just run the most vanilla stuff. He's like even in week one, you see it. He's changing things up. So let's not slander the Fangio defense fully. Yeah. The you know he I think I think he might be from Pittsburgh or around the Pennsylvania area. Yeah, he's so from we don't Solak's we, hometown, East Stroudsburg. We got to get that right because it's Solak's hometown. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, so we can't be <laughs> hating too much on him. Apparently, he's and got he's a, a great, Phillies fan. Yeah, yeah. He's he's got a great meatball recipe or something like that. And hey, he was <laughs> he was on your guys' staff last year too. So yeah, he was he, helping him he out. He was on the Eagles it, staff. It's, it's, That's right. 
it's cool to see stylistically like gym shorts you see just being more attacking and football's yeah. going to swing back and forth i'm sure you know and in 10 years uh maybe we'll come back and say hey remember that big fangio stuff that was all all the goods but let's limit some some deep passing plays and let our defensive line get after it that's right. Maybe your next, you know, you, you, so Sean has written these like huge, monstrous, awesome, like go to resources on Fangio. I know you did one on Kyle Shanahan, right? Were, were, were those are the, are those the two big ones? Were there any other big ones uh, in there that you, you feel like you, you tried to explain? Those are the big ones. You're not going to okay. come in here with any Kyle Shanahan slander, are you? Because that that's that's unimpeachable. I feel well, like at this point, <laughs> Eagle, I don't know. E- Eagles fans would probably uh, the listeners to the show. We'll we'll save that. We, we I'm sure they've they've enjoyed this episode so, so far. I don't want to get you uh, on a bad note there, but yeah, maybe your next one is like you know the book of Flores, the book of Schwartz, the old school guys coming in saying no, hit just hit the quarterback. Forget all this, you know, prevent the explosive play. So like you said, we'll see what direction. Uh, that is going to go here. Uh, a couple last notes here on the Vikings defense. So like I mentioned, they blitzed a, blitzed a league high 47% of the time in week one. But to your point, I thought before I looked at last week's game, I'm like, all right, blitz man coverage. We know what we're getting with Flores. We've seen years of this. To your point, I, I always like when you see a coordinator go to a new spot, assess his personnel and be like, Ooh, I you know I like Wink Martindale, but Wink Martindale doesn't do that. He's like, no, we're playing this way. You could throw me the the mailman, um, the the Amazon guy, and the FedEx guy. We're playing man coverage and we're blitzing. I don't care. Flores didn't do that. They only played four snaps of man coverage, I believe, uh, or something like that. It, it was a very low, second lowest percentage of man coverage in week one in the NFL. So I think that is a sign that he's looking at his personnel going, all right, I don't have the corners I had in my previous stops. Let's play a little bit more zone. He was also in Pittsburgh last year, you know, which uh, has been typically, I think, a little more zone heavy. So maybe he took some stuff there and said, all right, I'm going to incorporate that in my next uh, stop. So that's something else to keep an eye on. I, I do expect the Eagles... O-line to play better against this front. Uh, I do expect Jalen Hurts to play better. I expect the passing game to come to life. I expect this one, if it comes down to just the Jimmys versus the Joes, the, the, the Eagles have a big edge here. Now, there's a part of me that says Flores is like, we've all watched those games where Flores just has a game plan. And it was that, you know, that famous one against the Ravens, right? Was that a couple of years ago? Dolphins, Ravens, where it looked like the Ravens had never practiced together or like no one knew, like they literally could not complete a pass. He was just going after them. So there's always that possibility that he comes up with a wrinkle and we're saying, man, the Eagles uh, offense hasn't looked good two weeks in a row. But if they're able to avoid that type of scenario, uh, I do like their talent quite a bit more than than the Vikings talent. Is, Is that sort of how you see it? I think so, because in that Ravens game was a good example where Flores throws that same pressure called Bengal Hawk like 40 times or something crazy like that in a game. And the way to avoid that is you can't get into third and longs constantly. And I don't expect the Eagles to have too much of an issue with that because I agree with you. I think the offensive line is going to look better. I do think Daniel Hunter on the Vikings is extremely talented, but I think it's going to be a situation where the Eagles are able to get into more shorter down situations where the playbook obviously opens up i'd love to see more of dallas goddard coming across the formation on that read option stuff where you can get him into the flat dallas goddard on those outbreakers i think is going to be a really good spot to succeed but brian flores's plan is going to look different if you're in third and two and third and three all the time and now i'm not saying oh let's establish the run let's do that but i'm absolutely Mm -hmm. expecting the eagles to dig maybe deeper into their run bag maybe let's get a little heavier let's get that extra tight end on the field where the Vikings maybe have a lot of different personnel groupings where 
They got Harrison Smith running all the way down the field. He's playing on the defensive. Like It looks like he's playing like a defensive end the next step. If you're playing with those lighter bodies that are obviously more flexible, it goes back to our point of, you know, did the Patriots put out the blueprint? You know, we're going to see for the Vikings, right? When your players are a little bit different and the Eagles might be able to just lean on you a little bit more. Goddard's going to have a monster game. I'm sure Sirianni's like, I, this is not going to be a storyline that I'm asked about <laughs> every week. He's gonna well, be I, like, I was concerned yeah. that, you know, all the Dallas Goddard jumping up and down. I'm sure Jalen Hurts really likes Dallas Goddard. I don't, I don't want anyone thinking that he doesn't, right? Because yeah. when you go through the film, it wasn't like he was purposely ignoring him. I think for a little bit, you know, game plan, game situation. And Goddard's a real talented player and Hurts knows that he can lean on him for sure. And it's like if, if two of those, you know, two of those plays go differently, we're saying, oh, Goddard had over 50 yards and maybe a touchdown. You know, if he if he just pulls that ball and it's like, I know it's not part of the read, but holy cow, those corners are coming. I'm going to throw it. Then we're having a different conversation. We talked about the other play. So, yeah, I'm with you. It was, uh, you know, you should find ways to get your best players uh, the ball. But I think that was a pretty unique scenario. I think they're probably going to feed him uh, in this game quite a bit. Sean, this was awesome. Uh, really enjoyed having you on what what can you what can you plug uh here for for our listeners who enjoyed uh hearing you until you made the Kyle Shanahan I think your approval rating was like 100 <laughs> percent and then some of our listeners are going don't oh, come on a, this you know those 49ers are a bunch of whiners so we, maybe we'll have Cliff edit that part out because I want you to have a high approval rating we want to have you back but uh <laughs> what do you what can you plug here for the listeners I appreciate that, Shiel. Uh, the easiest place on Twitter at Syed Schemes, S-Y-E-D Schemes. I do a podcast every Tuesday called Stats and Scheme. I love X's and O's so much. If you follow me, you know, maybe you need to mute me on Monday morning because I'm just going to be throwing out all these all 22 clips. That's really where my passion is. I'll do an article over at Sumer Sports every Thursday where I just kind of go through three concepts. We'll take the take whatever looks really complex, make it super simple for you. That's what I love about football. I think it's for everyone, whether you're whether you're an Eagles fan or you're not, or if you care about the game or you're just on on the edge playing fantasy or something like that, it's a it's a game for all of us. So send me that follow on Twitter and yeah, you can keep the Kyle Shanahan hate to the DMs. I might not respond, but <laughs> feel feel free to to let it out. Well, now now I have to go into uh, uncle mode here because we're we're two uh, brown guys, and you you mentioned you know if you like if you like the all twenty two, Sean. Back in the day, so you know when I was coming up, post moving, all of a sudden it was this revelation that the NFL was releasing the all twenty two coach film. I was like, "This is amazing! I could see what every player is doing." And so at that time, I had my first full time uh, writing job about seven years into my career, and I was covering those Chip Kelly Eagles teams, and I would do like a film breakdown for you know our. I'm sure many of our listeners, yeah, I still hear from you talking about birds 24 seven and that site. And so I would do these film breakdowns knowing very little uh, about what I was talking about, but the Eagles had like Jason Kelsey would be very nice in explaining to me, no, this is like, this is what happened here. And you know, Chip Kelly's like, didn't have the most comp. So I felt like if I could learn like the six core concepts or whatever, I had a way to explain it. So when you say, if you like the all 22, I think our listeners, probably a high percentage of them would say, absolutely. So definitely follow uh, Sean because he posts those clips, tells you the names of the concepts. And he's very gracious. As you can tell, if you, if you, you know, tweeted him or something, he'll probably explain exactly uh, what's going on there. So uh, thank you so much for coming on. This was a lot of fun. We'll take one more break and then Cliff will be back with me uh, to give some Eagles Vikings predictions, do Gannon watch and touch on the Philly. Welcome back to the Ringers 
Philly special. How about Sean Cliff? I mean, the guy has X's and O's knowledge coming out the wazoo. Once he decided to be on, I'm like, all right, here's some plays I want to talk about. He's giving me, I mean, the analysis. Top notch. I thought that was awesome. Nah, he's definitely a keeper. He's definitely got to come back on. We got to add him to the Ringer Philly family, like we always do with all of our guests. <laughs> so I guess he's in there now with the Gandhi, Mina Kimes, <laughs> Bo and right. Zach, obviously, are great dudes. Who else have we had on? Alex Coffee, she's amazing. Rich um, Hoffman. Uh, Rich, yeah. yeah, Rich. Oh, uh, Ray Diddy. How could I forget? We had Ray, Ray on here. Ray Diddy, Kemsky, yeah. McManus. We've had yes, quite yes, a yes, for, yes. I know yes. I'm forgetting some. I'm Fran Duffy. I know I'm probably Fran, forgetting somebody. Elkins Park. Shout out yeah. to Elkins Park. You know, there you go. we got to keep the ball rolling on here, man. Like, I love it. Shout yeah. out. That's another guy we, we can add into the rotation. Again, man, Philly, holla at us, man. We, we got the best pie going on in the city. <laughs> holla at us, man. There one, of the best, right. one of the best. One of the best. Listen, I like the confidence. You can say the best. That's all right. What do, what do we care about the other ones? Yeah, we can say the best. Um, yeah. All right, Cliff. So you heard uh, the breakdown there on Vikings-Eagles. I'm looking at this line now. It looks like we got Eagles have come down to six and a half. I think it started at seven and a half, seven and a half yep. point favorites, then went to seven, now six yep. and a half. No James Bradbury, no Reed Blankenship, uh, no Kenny Gainwell offensively, no Nicobe Dean. Obviously, he's on IR, so he's going to be out for a little while here. Uh, let's make some predictions. What do you think? How are you? You're always confident. I already know you're going to pick Eagles by like 30 here, but uh, give me your, your honest take uh, and a final score prediction for how this Eagles-Vikings game on Thursday night is going to play out. So I feel like... I'm not. We're not going to see a repeat of what happened last year. That massacre that happened last year at the link. Like I, I just don't. I don't see that happening. I just think um, it's going to be a tighter game. Show. Uh, still, we getting the kinks out of it. The defense looked a mess. I know you guys looked at the film and just saw people out of position a lot. Yeah. And I feel like that's going to continue now, especially with the injury. I mean, we just saw how many people were out with the injury report. We saw Bradbury's going to be out. So that's another starter in the secondary that's going to be out. That you know, more than likely would have to cover Justin Jefferson, and that guy terrifies the hell out of me. Even though last year he was he was locked he was on lockdown last year, but I don't think we're going to see that this year. So if I had to make a final prediction, I, th- I feel like they're going to come back to the link and score points. So I'm gonna go thirty one twenty one. I'm gonna go thirty one twenty one uh, Eagles to take the victory over uh, over the uh, Minnesota Vikings. Okay, I think Captain so Kirk you still comes got in. the Eagles covering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Captain Kirk comes in. Yeah, the six and a half. I'm sorry, guys. They will, they will be covering that six and a half. But Captain Kirk's going to come in. He's going, you know, throws for his uh his his uh empty yardage in the back end of that <laughs> on the back end of that game. They might be down a little bit early on. Throw for some empty yards in the back end of that game. Maybe he'll have like a two a two twenty type of game. I feel like that's appropriate for Kirk Cousins. And uh, I feel like for Hertz, just getting just. Because again, Eagles don't play starters preseason either, so you kind of got to get that those reps. And we saw it like Dallas Goddard didn't even get any targets, right? He didn't even yeah. end up getting any targets. DeAndre Swift didn't really get any touches. You saw Kenny Gainwell a lot. That's going to look a little bit different. Sirianni even mentioned that. Um, I think we're going to see a big AJ Brown game. I feel it. I feel it. Mm. I think the second week of the season, AJ Brown was like, "Hey man, you gotta give me the ball, man." Like I don't know how to do his voice, but he got that deep down <laughs> South voice. So he's gonna be like. Hey man, you gotta give me the ball, man. Like, come on, man, you gotta give me the ball. So I feel like, I feel like that's what he's gonna be uh, itching for, and I feel like we're gonna get a big AJ Brown game, and I feel like we're gonna get a nice Goddard. Uh, I want, I don't. So I didn't see on Fanduel what his uh, receptions would be, 
But I would think if it was like three and a half, I'd take the over on that. I feel like they're going to kind of make yeah. a point of emphasis to get him the ball. I agree with that. I think Goddard will get the ball early. But speaking of which, you said, A.J. Brown, we got a little same-game parlay from FanDuel. Now, listen, this is a Cliff special, okay, because I'm not great with the same-game parlays. I said, Cliff, can you help me out? I'll read it out. (laughs) If if it hits, we'll give Cliff the credit. I'm trying to be a good teammate. If it doesn't hit, you know what? I'll take take the heat here, okay? Right? That's what you're (laughs) supposed to do. I'm I'm trying to take on that quarterback role here and and take uh, accountability if it doesn't work out. So here's what Cliff has, has got for me. Justin Jefferson, over 94 and a half receiving yards. We just mentioned it. Eagles are starting three new starters, now that I think about it, in their secondary from last year. Because you're going to have two safeties who weren't on the team last year, and you're going to have Josh Job starting at one cornerback spot. So over 94 and a half. Jalen Hurts under 45 and a half rushing yards. You know, I like that one, Cliff, because I think Brian Flores is going to come in and say, no, we're not just going to let him. We're going to make him uh, throw the football. We're going to be aggressive. So I like that one. I just think the Eagles don't want to make that like a huge, huge part of the game plan. That was obvious in week one, right? Yeah, they didn't want yeah. him to get hit. But Hurts is obviously a big scrambling threat as well. So, yeah. you know, the 44 is always going to be up in the air. But I just, I don't know. I just feel like he really wants to make it known that, look, bro, I can do it all. But I really want to sit back here and dice the Vikings secondaries. Because, I mean, we saw a big Like he did last somewhat. year to him. Yeah. Hurts yeah. yeah, 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 did that to yeah, yeah. the Vikings so, last year in week two. Yeah. So, I think he's going to make a point of emphasis to not really run too much. And if he does run, it might be like one of those big 16-yarders. And then you might not see him really rush yeah. the rest of the game. I, I just don't see the Eagles want to put him in harm's way this season. So uh, expect a lot more a lot more passing yards from Hurts and maybe a little drop-off in his rushing yards this big. season. There you go. So Jefferson over 94 and a half receiving hurts under 45 and a half rushing AJ Brown. Anytime touchdown score cliff says he says he's expecting a touchdown from AJ Brown and then Eagles money line. Those four. I like cliff. He doesn't go for some soft same game parlay. That's plus nine Oh two. If that bad boy hits. So listen, Cliff, you do this every week. If it hits what, like once out of, you know, however many weeks, then you're going to get your payout because it's going to be so big. So but not hit every week, but listen, I like those choices. Those are good choices. All right. My take uh, on the game here. I'm a little nervous about the defense. Like, listen, I see a scenario where their defense just the front dominates and they're just hitting Kirk Cousins like a seven sack, you know, 12 quarterback hit type game. I think that's possible. If that happens, I think Eagles win in a route. However, I saw enough issues there on the back end in week one to make me a little nervous that if they don't get home consistently, that they're going to have issues in coverage. Like I said, three new starters in the secondary, uh, a new starter at linebacker, kind of two new starters. I mean, Zach Cunningham wasn't even on the roster, uh, what, six weeks ago. Or whatever. So it's really one of those where I think the, the pass rush has to dominate. The pass rush was very impressive in week one. They absolutely are capable of doing that. I think it's going to be a little closer, though. I think the Vikings are going to move the ball. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I've got the Vikings covering, but the Eagles winning. I've got 27-23 Eagles. I think the offense gets way back on track. It looks more like it did uh, last year, but I think defensively they're going to give up some yards there. So there you go. Cliff's got By the way, Cliff, last week I almost nailed the score. I think I had 24 tw- I think I think I had 2420 and you know what I do my WIP hit on Thursdays and the line had changed and it was four so I'm like I'm not gonna predict a push so I think I went up to like 2520 on my WIP hit so last year I remember I go. got off to a terrible start uh yeah. give it out Solak and I were missing all these picks <laughs> early on so maybe this carried over uh to some of the success we had in the second half of the season all right 
Next thing I want to talk to you about. You know what time it is, don't you? Yes, yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. I'm not yes, even yes. going to say it because you, you, you've you got ready? sound production. Go ahead. Let's go. Let's go. Hey. All right. Shots. Explosives. Shoo, 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 shoo. This is Cannon Watch. Welcome back. Wait for it. Welcome back. All right. Who took the bus? See who you are? Just understand I'm looking for killers. This is Cannon Watch. Don't get that twisted. <laughs> Which one do you like better? You didn't tell me. I like all of them. I mean, the pew pew really has a lot of uh, lasting power. Like I've said, I can use that in my everyday life. Like that's just in my head uh, constantly. So that's going to be hard to beat uh, for me. But what did you think? Johnny Gans, uh, week one L, maybe not as bad as people thought. They They covered against the commanders. They did. And you know what's crazy? I actually had uh, friends. You saw the screenshots. I had a couple of friends actually hit me about that, like, Yo, you guys need already. By the way, you warned us about this. There's oh a viral clip of you online on Twitter right now <laughs> going around saying, Oh, Jonathan Gannon, that guy, we're going to miss Jonathan Gannon. And I literally, literally, literally got a text, not even like after game one. It was like, I think it was like halftime of their game versus Commander. I'm getting, I got a text from somebody who said, Yo, saw your, listen to your pod, saw the clip. You guys need to uh, reverse your Gannon slander. Come on, man. Really? Oh, they still God. lost the game. They still lost to a weak commander's team. Like, why would we take away the slander? However, I'm going to give that man his props, though. Just for just a slither of props. A slither of props. They didn't look horrifically They were competitive. Bad. Yeah, they were yeah. competitive. I saw, the, I saw the highlights, and I saw the, a couple low lights from the game. I mean, my man Josh Dobbs got in there on like a – Two week, what is it? A week? Is it even a week's notice at that point? By the <laughs> way, I was saying last, so like I'm last. I said Eagles should sign Josh Dobbs as their backup. You remember? I I mm. say he was like Josh Dobbs. Get listen, you like him better than Marcus Mariota right now. <laughs> no, I was about say to say, much. yeah, I like I like Dobbs. Dobbs is a competitor, man. Mariota, yeah, I, I watched agree. him literally give up on a team last year because he lost his starting <laughs> job. So no, oh, man, seriously, we're Mariota like, watch. Yeah, right. <laughs> you got him, Mario to watch. But no, like I, I like Josh Dobbs. He was competitive in that game. Again, that team is going to stink it up all season. And that was just two horrific teams that just clashed and they happened to have to clash on week one. And yeah. they, you know, the commanders squeaked out a win with the new ownership. I know you saw your boys Joel and Beat and Josh Harris at the game. Matt how do you Johnson feel about how game. do you feel about this? You're the right person to ask. How do you feel about Joel Embiid? going down there watching with Josh Harris being the Sixers owner, but also the commander's owner. Like it's an Eagle city. And you know, now you have like the, the rival, like what if the commanders get good? You know, I don't know that that's going to happen anytime soon, but let's say they're competing. Like, how do you feel about the whole setup there? Uh, like as far as the dynamic of having Josh Harris being the owner of the Sixers yeah, on top you of the Commanders the Sixers, or the optics, And the owner of yeah. the Sixers is also the owner of a, a team that you can't stand. And then your star player for your basketball team is down there with the owner. Took a trip down there. Does it matter or not? Maybe it doesn't matter at all. I'm just wondering what you think um, about I'm, You're not I'm, bothered. You know, I, so uh, my initial thoughts is I'm really not bothered by seeing like Embiid going down. It wasn't like he was over there like cheering the Commanders on. Right. It was obviously game one with new ownership. You saw, it was a bunch of celebrities over there like – I saw Wale over there. I saw Magic Johnson pulled up to the game. KD was down there. I think he's part of the ownership group, if I'm not mistaken. KD, KD is be. a huge uh, Commanders fan, yeah. He is a big Commanders fan as well because he grew yeah. up in the DMV area as well. So right. I'm wondering, I mean, does Joel Embiid have like a stake in that? Like I'm, I, I really don't know. 
Like maybe he I don't was there think so. No, under... no, I think he was just there to. I think he likes football. Like I think he's a just Packers fan, isn't he? I actually think he's a Packers. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. He did. He did. Used to sing Rogers, Aaron Rodgers praises. I mean, maybe Josh Harris was just like, hey, like I just want my the, my best player on my best team, you know, to come through and just you know show some love and give him the invite, yeah. give him the box seats, show him around. Hey, this is our new team. This is our vision. Blah 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 blah. Again, a lot of these athletes like they're looking into business right after this. So. Maybe Joel Embiid is like, all right, like at some point I'm going to own a soccer team somewhere. So maybe let me see how the owner of my basketball team goes into the football world and then see what he does from there. So I think I look at it from a business standpoint of like Joel Embiid is just trying to secure a bigger bag after, you know, because in a couple of years, like you can't play basketball no more. Yeah. So maybe he's just taking taking some tips from Mike whenever him and Michael Rubin get it, get up oh, together God. in that white Don't party. Don't started. Yeah. <laughs> Right. At that annual, <laughs> at right. that annual white party, whenever him and Michael Rube get together, they talk in business. Josh Harris wants Embiid to have his bag secure for the rest of his life and feed his country Cameroon and give back to them. And I, I just look at it just as a you know just a business move. I don't think like fan ties or anybody from Philly should be upset that Embiid was down there hanging out with you know the owner of the Sixers and now the new owner of the Washington Commanders. I don't look into it too much. A lot of people did kind of look into it, and I thought it was kind of weird. There's one, uh, there's one uh, big name in Philadelphia in particular that, um, you know, that uh, we we all know his name, but we're not going to drop his name in here. Oh, I don't even know who yeah. it is, but it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. We we know his name. They call him the King, you know. Okay, gotcha. But, all right. Yeah, yeah. He had a, he had an issue with it, but I, I mean, I, I don't have an issue with it. I just I want to see people win. I want to see people get more money, you know, after the fact that they play. So I, I don't mind it at all. Did 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 you have a problem with that at all? No, I mean, it's more the Josh Harris thing I do think is awkward, uh, especially at this mm. time for the if you're a Sixers fan and the team's really annoying you and now the guy is yep. uh, g- going down there and it's not like the Devils is one thing like no one, you know, it's like kind of irrelevant for uh, most people. But uh, yeah, the Commanders is a different story. Like if they get good um, and as mad as people are like towards Josh Harris right now. If you're a Sixers fan, you know, he hasn't exactly covered himself in glory. He doesn't seem like, the, you know, he's not like the most sort of likable, personable. This isn't like Pat Croce, you know, back in the day. So I, I get it if, if people are kind of annoyed by that. But yeah, that was just something that caught my attention there. But uh, Johnny Gans, listen, uh, 2016 loss to Josh Harris's boys, nine not penalties bad. for 122 yards. That's not great. This week, Cliff, there, yeah. six six point home dogs. To a Giants team that lost forty to nothing. Forty to nothing. That's in week crazy. one, and the Giants go there and are six point favorites. I actually like the Giants quite a bit. Really? Uh, in that game, you yeah, think they, I, you I, think that's just like one of those bounce back games? Like, all right, like we yeah. got smoked at home. We got to go down to Arizona to a yeah. bad team, prove a mess. Because what? It, like, if you're a Giants fan, like, how do you view that team if you go to Arizona? And get smoked by not smoke, but just you if lose you lose to by lose. one, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you like lose over. to the Cardinals, yeah, like yeah. you get killed by the Cowboys to start the season, and then you go to an Arizona team that had a three and a half. Am I, there's a three and a half wins uh, that's yeah, projected that for them from Vandal. Yeah, their over under is three and a half. Like, and then they would start the season one and one, and that one win would be against you. Yeah, Giants, Giants season could be. In the in the toilet, pretty pretty fast. So yeah, we'll see. I, but I I I think the Giants will go down there and take care of business. I yeah. I don't I don't believe in Jonathan Gannon. I I think uh, Saquon Barkley will light them up. I believe Danny Dimes will slice them up. I believe it's going to be a nasty one down in Arizona. Yeah, I think that uh, I try to in week two ignore 
most of what I saw in week one, unless it's like an injury or something or like a huge question mark where it's a player I know nothing about. Otherwise, I try to stick to my preseason. Here's what I thought going in. Don't let that one game sample. And I thought that I didn't think the Giants were a playoff team. I think I had them at eight and nine for the season, kind of a mediocre team. But um, I think they're like at least a competitive team. I don't think that Cardinals team, despite what we saw in week one, is going to be a competitive team. So that's why I say I think the Giants uh, go down there and at least can win that game by a touchdown. All right, let's finish with this, Cliff. We're recording at sort of an awkward time here. It's 5.30 on Wednesday, so I don't. I didn't want to do too much Phillies because they're going to be playing a game by the time uh, this podcast gets up here. But these games where they have amazing comebacks and you get all pumped and then they lose the game. This is from John Fisher on Twitter. It was actually an Alex Coffey story uh, today. Phillies have had a game-tying or go-ahead home run in the eighth or ninth inning five times in the last three weeks, and they've lost all five of those games. They've also lost five straight extra inning innings games uh bounty bowl on twitter a uh, friend of mine uh, long i mean one, one of the uh, like og you know eagles online blogger of course fan name is bounty bowl guys bounty yeah. bowl he was saying he was saying like have they ever not given up that run that's on second base and it doesn't it feel like every time Seriously? every time that every runner time. starts on second base in extra innings i'm just like oh that guy's scoring kimbrell's i'm like it affects kimbrell's in there i'm like he's paying yeah. too much attention he's not himself it scores every time so it's been a weird series so far a weird few weeks for the phillies can we address that the runner on second too by the way i've, I've seen theories it's about this bad. right and yeah. I've seen theories about this, and I'm like, the first theory makes sense of that that shouldn't you shouldn't start extras with a runner on second unless it gets like maybe to like a 13th inning when people are like, all right, like let, we got to get home. At some we got to go like, home, let's, yeah. Let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like let's not, let's knock this off. Like this is taking <laughs> this is taking a little bit longer than expected. But on top of that, the home team doesn't go to bat first, so that puts added pressure onto the home team once the road team gets the at bat and then scores that run from second. Like yeah. do you view that do you view that as a disadvantage? Because I, I I mean, I think it is. I just don't like it at all. I mean it, it's so weird. Like how many extra innings games do you play in a season? I don't even know what the number is. Is it maybe maybe like 10 and you're talking about like, you know, and so if let's say there's 10 and they each go average I'm sure there's better data on this. I'm making this up. But let's say they each go to 11 innings. You're talking about 20 extra innings over the course of the season. I mean, is that like that big of a deal to really implement this wild rule change where a guy is starting uh, on second base? So, yeah, I don't love it. It's um, it's weird to me. Uh, you know, I like I just a lot think of the your other back is against the wall. Changes, right I, I, it feels, I don't like it definitely because... feels that way. Like, I don't know. If yeah. they, I, I'm sure if someone's in like analytics, they'd be like, no, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, just because they get it first. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. It feels that way that when the other team scores, you're like, shoot, you know, you lost. It's over. Like, you do feel deflated. I don't know. That's how I feel watching it. And on top of that, you don't trust the bullpen at all. Like, it doesn't matter who it is. It could be Kimbrell, Alvarado. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Bilotti, actually, I like yeah. Strom. Strom. Strom's my guy. That's, if that's Strom one of my didn't favorite. pitch every freaking night, have there, yeah. has there been a game this year where Strom didn't pitch? It's, listen, I've came, I, I feel like right now, unless something changes in the next couple weeks, it's basically like the bats are just going to have to carry them. I mean, the pitching isn't good enough. The, the starters aren't good enough. The bullpen isn't good enough. But man, 
Trey Turner, like the last three weeks, basically leads every statistical category. Bryce Harper, uh, we know Bryson Stott seems to always come through. So uh, I still love the lineup. I think it's going to be a fun playoffs. But yeah, the bat, if the bats cannot go quiet, like in, in probably in like a single game uh, in the playoffs, or they're going to have a tough time. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I, I still think the Phillies are going to be super competitive come playoff time anyway. I, I just think normally September, man, I feel like arms just kind of just, I don't want to say like die, but like arms just get worn out. Yeah. And right now it looks like everybody's arm is just worn out. To, like even Wheeler had a little shakeup last night too as well right. as we're recording this right now. Yeah. Wheeler, who's been like the most consistent guy as a starter, has a little shakeup too. And then, I mean, that Lorenzen dude it just – I mean, what happened to him? Like, kind of just came back yeah, down. That no, seemed like a classic regression where he was like on fire, and then he just, now it's like evening out, and now we'll see what we get playoff time. But I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think this, this Phillies team, like they definitely will rise to the occasion. They're gamers, like in big spots. I trust the bats, uh, and all I just that, don't so. trust the bullpen right now. I don't yeah. trust it. I, I I look at the bullpen right now, and I'm like, like you said, it feels like every single night that that happens, like they make some type of miraculous comeback. And the yeah, bullpen just throws all it. it. I know. Yeah, and it's Kimbrell too, who was who was who was a all star for their for our team this year. Yeah, and he's coming in just uh, like making all these faces like every time he has to. He gives up like a <laughs> a big time hit or a big time. I swear, every night if the game is close, the Phillies are losing. I don't get it. Yeah, like in the in in August, it felt like every time we was in that situation, it was cool. Like everything was going to work out. Bryce or Trey. By the way, you gotta give Trey Turner's flowers too. Oh we didn't gosh. even get, we didn't like, get to that. I was just I it's had a whole day. I had a whole tweet ready last night, and then the Phillies lost. I think the last, I think it was like a thirty-five game sample. He's first in OPS, first in home runs, first in extra base hits, first in style. I had this whole list of like seven sets. So maybe the Phillies will win tonight. Well, uh, after you listen to this, and uh, Trey Turner will have a big game, and I can send that out. He he's uh, he's been fantastic. So we'll see what happens in the series finale uh, against the Braves. Eagles play on Thursday night. Solak and I will be back to do the post-game pod for that. Uh, and then we'll probably have to squeeze in some Phillies because, we, Cliff, we got a Thursday night and then a Monday night. So we've got some time in there uh, to fill. So we'll definitely hit on some other topics. So thank you to Cliff. I got I to gotta finish up uh, my column for tomorrow, picks against the spread, and then go to a back back to school night. Is this the first pod I did without a hat on? You know, I got I shaved the dome. Uh, I hope it's not too no, I shiny feel, I feel for like, if we post a video clip or something. You know, I mean, yeah, I feel like I feel like I've done something this year. Yeah, okay. you definitely did something. Right. I'm not okay. sure what the date was, but I feel like you definitely <laughs> did one without a hat. But like, you definitely got the clean look because you got to go to your daughter's school and you know you can't be pulling up to school with a hat on because you look crazy well, it, because if people already think I don't have a job, you know? They're like, what does this guy do? He's just out getting the trash cans at like 11:30 in the morning in his like uh joggers or mesh shorts. Like, what does he do for a living? But sorry, go ahead. What were you saying? Yeah, cuz when I was in school, no hats, no hats in the hallway. Like they're yelling and screaming at Me everybody. Too. No yeah. phones in class. Like it was it was all those type of rules, so now you want to go back to school. You want to look proper for the teachers. I know. Make sure, you know, your daughter's represented well because you're right. like dad of the year and you're trying to be like that guy. <laughs> and like, hey, I'm, su- I'm super supportive and, and, and trying. You know, my daughter's doing great there. in class. Yeah. yeah, my daughter's doing great <laughs> in class. Normally, my, when my parents used to go to back to school night, they'd be like, what the hell are you doing? It's only one month in. How, how are you already this far behind on your homework? How are you already this bad in class? That used to be my, that used to be what I get, the feedback I would get. But I'm sure you're going to get some flying, uh, flying color reviews tonight.
We'll see that. My daughter was giving me the whole, she was, she was prepping me. She's like, some kids are going to the bathroom too much. And, you know, the, the teacher's telling us, like, you can't be drinking all that water and keep going to the bathroom. She's like, but don't worry, it wasn't me. Wait, they don't want, we'll they don't want the kids to be hydrated? That's what I said. But she said, I guess people are overdoing it. or I, I don't know. I, I, I think we'll get the lowdown uh, tonight. I'll report back on the next episode. She, she promised it wasn't her. I'm like, well, you can drink water. I want you to be hydrated. It's hot in there. So uh, we'll see what the, uh, what the issue was. All right, Cliff. Thank you to Cliff. Thank you to Sean. He was awesome. That was a lot of fun. Appreciate everyone listening. Uh, we'll be back late Thursday night for the Eagles Vikings post game pod. Talk to everyone. Now. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts, or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.